Today's program is brought to you by Juniors. You have not really lived until you've had cheesecake at Juniors. For more information, visit juniorscheesecake.com. I'm Erin Fairbanks, host of The Farm Report. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Episode 158 of The Morning After. I'm Jesse Kiefer. My lovely co-host Sari Kamen is out of the country until February. She's working on a new project in Berlin, and we are very proud of her. So get used to this voice for the winter season. On today's show, Dirt Candy chef and owner Amanda Cohen. This is her third time on the show. Super excited to talk to her about tipping and about brunch at Dirt Candy. Later in the show, we will give Amanda a second chance to conquer The Morning After quiz. You ready? No, I'm never ready (laughs) for it. I'm just going to fail again. No, I have faith in you. I have faith (laughs) in you today. But first, I'm going to do Sari's part, which is uh, bizarre food news. And I had a lot of fun because I don't usually get to do this segment. Yeah. And Amanda, of course, I want to hear your feelings and opinions. I usually have a lot. So um, yesterday was a big day. It was a big day. Why? Well, here we go. Did you smell a little Christmas beer in the air yesterday? That's because the annual Drunk Santa Pilgrimage slash shit show known as SantaCon. Yeah. (laughs) It wafted through New York City. This year, organizers are trying to rebrand SantaCon, moving it away from the traditional vomit and urine-soaked pub crawl. According to the New York Times, SantaCon organizer Jim Glazer says, we're in the process of an image change, and we are hoping we can do something that would be much more (laughs) family-friendly. I had (laughs) one of my friend's daughter's five years old and she was out for a walk with her dad and at the end of the day she turned to him and she's like can we go somewhere where we don't see any more santa's daddy that's that's exactly (laughs) my point like no child should have to see santa being a total asshole exactly they shouldn't see drunk santa they shouldn't see slutty santa they shouldn't see santa without pants on we saw them all (laughs) yesterday (laughs) yeah because you're on the lower east side and i'm sure there was a lot of it walked by i um I, I used to live in the East Village, and I'm sure when you were at Dirt Candy yeah. in East Village, you had to deal with this. And oh, yeah. um, I was actually kicked in the leg while waiting for an ATM by a drunk Santa. That's awful. Like, I was at the ATM, and I wasn't going fast enough. And you so got I got up by Santa? kicked by Santa, and um, and the luckily, the convenience store guy ran him out <laughs> of the convenience <laughs> store, but... Um, yeah, I've, I've never I've never felt the same since. No, I don't think you should. That's an awful Santa memory. That's and worse I, than Santa kissing your mother. Exactly. <laughs> I think there's a song about that. Um, but I also, I I just don't know if the guys in Murray Hill and Hoboken, you know, want to have a family-friendly SantaCon thing. I don't think they do. I think that we should move SantaCon to, like, an island. And yes. they can just all go to the island. <laughs> Santa Island. Yeah, I, I mean, I good for them for trying to, like, rebrand and, and change it. Because I think originally it was, like, a, it was a, it was like a protest against the commercialism of, of or consumerism of Christmas. Right. And, and now it's... Exactly that. So exactly <laughs> that, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, moving on. Is red your color? Do you love supporting your comrades in the factory and never standing out in the crowd? If so, why not bring your love for communism to the dinner table at private party restaurant? 
A Mao Zedong communist themed restaurant serving hot pots has opened in Southern California. Okay, that's just wrong. (laughs) The servers wear red guard uniforms with Mao issued black shoes and all hot pots are cooked in copper pots over coals just like the good old days. Owner Jessica Zhang says sometimes people get a bit offended. I wonder if those people are ever heard from again. Um, no, they must disappear. <laughs> they go to camps. You never hear from them. That is awful. I don't think there are any good memories from that period. I mean, that's sort of like celebrating something that happened during like the Holocaust. It's it's just not good. No, I, I totally agree. <laughs> but would you go? Well, it depends how good the hot pot is. <laughs> I mean, are we talking like communist era hot pot or like... <laughs> or like now yeah. ingredients hot pot. I think yeah. it's now ingredients hot pot. I don't think it's like gruel that's that's a moral question i'd have to sit down with my rabbi and discuss <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i you know communism doesn't work so i'm not sure if it's gonna work in a restaurant <laughs> i don't know I just would we not know. have to pay is it like communist era prices <laughs> they may not have tipping oh uh, well then <laughs> but everybody, everybody gets paid the same <laughs> all right moving on this is my favorite story of the week um it's ripped from the headlines. Bushwick man punched repeatedly with partially unwrapped Snickers bar. <gasps> There's so many questions. Why was it totally unwrapped or why wasn't it wrapped? I just can't believe that they have the detail of it being partially unwrapped. So Ian Skolarski was waiting for the subway in Brooklyn when his assailant walked up to him and shoved a Snickers bar into his face and mouth. I was like, fuck, said Skolarski. My whole New York experience has been great. You hear stories about what happens in the city, but now it's a story that's happened to me. I'm sorry, Mr. Skolarski, but like, I've never heard about this story. No. Is this like one of those new trends, like planking? You know, <laughs> I have chocolate barring. I have no idea, but the poor guy, he got hit five times with the candy bar and he has a black eye and split lip. They found the assailant, but uh, no word on the uh, Snickers bar. Uh, that just changes my feelings about Snickers bar. <laughs> and why Snickers? Why not like a Mars bar? Well, I mean, I have more experience with Snickers than Mars. Okay. But, and I would imagine if you put a Snickers bar in a freezer or it was a cold oh, day in New York good. City, that'd be like a brick. That is. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I guess it could be considered a weapon. It ch- totally changes my experience at a deli now. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Which one of these can I use as a weapon? Smarties? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I forgot my rape whistle. <laughs> yeah. Let me get a... <laughs> Let me, let me get, get some ch- M&M's. Let me get a Laffy Taffy to smack somebody with. What about some of that licorice? <laughs> exactly. So um, I guess there's options to, to protect yourself. Although this assailant should not have just attacked someone. With no, it. that's like wrong. Well. That's totally wrong. And the guy, the Skolars- Mr. Skolarski, did admit that he kind of egged the guy on after the first time he got mm. hit. He was probably like, what's wrong with you, man? <laughs> um, I just, I just want to know if the guy ate it afterwards. Yeah, I mean, did you sort of, did he lick his face too? the other one? Like, how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, is this blood or chocolate? I'm not sure. I taste delicious. <laughs> pain tastes so good. <laughs> oh, that was great. Well, speaking of pain, we're going to come back on the morning after and talk about Amanda Cohen with brunch at Dirt Candy. Excellent. Let's play a game. If I say three words, let's say Brooklyn classic food. You tell me what comes to mind. 
I'll give you a second. If the answer wasn't juniors, you lose the game. You can't possibly be a Brooklyn foodie, or a foodie at all for that matter, and not know about Junior's. Founded by Harry Rosen in 1950, Junior's landmark restaurant is known as the home of New York's best cheesecake. Real talk, you have not fully lived unless you've had Junior's cheesecake. The original location in Brooklyn on Flatbush Avenue is still thriving, or you can check them out at recent landmark additions in New York's Grand Central Terminal or in the heart of the theater district on Broadway and Times Square. Check out their first restaurant outside of New York at the Fox Tower Hotel at Foxwoods Casino in Connecticut. It's not just cheesecakes. They've got steak, seafood, sandwiches, salad, everything you would possibly need to complete an authentic New York dining experience. Don't be embarrassed next time somebody asks you if you've been to Junior's. Visit juniorscheesecake.com for more information. And we're back here on the morning after. She is one of the veggie OGs in New York City. With her original dirt candy location in the East Village, she proved to the skeptics the vegetarian cuisine is a really delicious thing, not just some bland dogma. Early this year, she opened Dirt Candy in a new, much larger space on the Lower East Side, and now she's attempting brunch. Chef Amanda Cohen, welcome back to The Morning After. Well, thank you so much for having me. I love being here. So last time you were here, you had not yet opened the new spot. Um, Did all of your dreams come true in your new big Dirt Candy space? Um, Because the last one was like... It was tiny. It was was very small. Um, You know, we opened. It was huge learning curve. Uh, It I don't know. I didn't think it was going to be easy. We didn't think it was going to be this hard. Uh, but it's been good. I mean, so some dreams have come true. Some dreams have totally disappeared. Some nightmares have happened. And now we have some new dreams. What was hard? Um, I think meeting people's expectations. Uh, there was a lot of hype when we opened. And that's great because you want that. You're opening a new restaurant. You want people to come. But hype isn't real and hype isn't necessarily what actually happens in the restaurant and because we got so much press when we opened uh, there was a lot of confusion about what we were which we had managed at the small place to sort of um, make people understand that we weren't just a vegetarian restaurant and we weren't serving healthy food and we had a definite sort of style and point of view and you know, when we first reopened, we got a lot of people who were like, well, where are my salads? <laughs> we're like, well, we don't serve salads, and we've never served salads. And they're like, well, this is unhealthy, and I don't like it. And, you know, what you do with vegetables suck. And we're like, well, this is what we've always done, so I'm so sorry. And whatever the expectations were, we couldn't meet everybody's. But over the last sort of 10 months, we've managed to, um, I guess, encourage the right people to come, the people who want to have our food. And the people who don't like our food sort of know now not to come. They can read all about it on Yelp. <laughs> so now you're, you're kind of, yeah, you're in your even state. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's definitely commentary on, on food media in general because the, the original Dirt Candy, you know, you got popular by word of mouth right. people going there and then now people are just into like reading of oh, Dirt Candy. It's amazing. It's a vegetarian restaurant, you know. Right. And also in the seven years, over the seven years uh, that we had opened, I think going out to eat has really changed and now people are really into like I want to be the first person there and I'm so excited and then they come and they're like well I don't even like vegetables and you're like well why'd you come then and we're like, well I read about it <laughs> well okay but that doesn't actually help us so thanks a lot um but go maybe go to a restaurant that serves hamburgers 
I don't know, not us. It's just all that sort of like that beginning opening is really different now than it was. Like the world has changed. Do you, um, I mean, the world has also changed for vegetables. I feel like yeah. so many more places are yeah. focusing on that. Do you, do you feel like that's a trend? I don't know. Um, I think about this all the time. Like, is it a trend? Is it competition? What's going to happen? Can we all exist? Um, I think that the one thing that's here to stay is that there are going to be more vegetables on menus, and that's how people sort of want to eat, and people are excited. Uh, I'm not sure if we're ever in the year of the vegetable. Everybody's always like, oh, you know, 2014, it's the year of the vegetable. 2015, it's the year of the vegetable. 2016, it'll be the year of the vegetable. It's actually never really the year of the vegetable. Uh, but you do see more and more vegetables on menus, which is great. And it seems as if the city can handle it at the moment. It it also seems as if, I mean, I don't think anybody's doing the same thing. No, we all have our gonna... little niches, which is good. Because that means that although we're, we, are, are, we are all in competition, uh, we also have like there's enough of us doing different things that we're not pulling away from other people so you know like i do like really weird fun little things with vegetables and other places do like much more sort of forage root vegetables and they don't touch them as much they're left sort of more naked and other ones i don't know i don't know what other people do i never get out enough (laughs) (laughs) but we all do different things uh, Superiority Burger, did that open just, like, a few doors down from your old space? No, it opened in my own oh old my space. God. I sold it to Brooks. Okay, so you, you knew it when you were leaving. Uh, yeah, we were in negotiations as we were leaving in the and last couple months. You knew what the concept was going to be? Oh, yeah. Was that kind of on purpose? Um, yeah, I kind of had the choice of who I wanted to sell it to, and I adored Brooks, and... I thought it would be sort of... I, I loved my little space. It gave us everything. It was a awful, awful little space, but it tried hard for us. Um, it's very hard to run a business in 350 square feet and be busy. And, and Brooks sort of had come to me, and I was like, you know, that's the right thing. That's a really nice continuation of what we've done. And I knew he was going to change the whole space, and I wouldn't have to feel bad that it wasn't like another tiny little sit-down restaurant doing the same thing because that probably wouldn't have worked again in the space um but his sort of uh, business model would so yeah it was uh it's exactly how it should have been that's great to hear i know i'm feeling very nice about that <laughs> <laughs> um so another a huge part of you opening the new dirt candy space was your proclamation that you were gonna get rid of tipping yes and how has that been going? And I, and I do want to say that while maybe you weren't the first person to do it, you were kind of one of the more high-profile and restaurants of your size to do this. Yeah. I like to say sort of we were the first um, a la carte, higher-end restaurant to do it in New York City. Um, but there were other restaurants in New York City and certainly around the country um, that had gotten rid of tipping. Uh, it's been going good, you know, and... We were, we still don't have tipping, so if it hadn't <laughs> gone well, uh, we would have switched over. Uh, people have been really receptive. We thought the hardest thing was going to be uh, our customers. And it, the people who dine in the restaurant, we've had like one or two people who have been like upset about it. And we're like, okay, we're sorry. Like, what do you want us to do? And whatever they want us to do, we'll get rid of it. Uh, we do notice that when somebody's upset and they go on Yelp or like an online reviewing site, 
if they don't like the service, the first thing they pick up on is they'll be like, well, this restaurant sucks because they don't have tipping. And I'm always like, eh. And I'm like, you know, I think you might have had a bad night because my server had a bad night. I don't suck because we don't have tipping. My servers are great. Um, And we saw a lot of negativity, definitely being like sort of the first restaurant or one of the first restaurants who really publicly came out with it in New York. Uh, there was a lot of negativity and like online sort of sites and commenting and we got called a lot of bad names and you can see it now that people are a lot more supportive because they see it works and so people aren't like you know I I don't know Danny Meyer who now also doesn't have tipping in a couple of his restaurants um, has been called as many bad names as I have but people have gotten used to it and they see it works and my servers are happy my customers are happy and my back of house is so happy I've heard I heard this on Brian Lair in reference to Danny Meyer that some front of house person was saying like he doesn't know how to take care of his staff or pay his staff correctly and that's why this tipping is no tipping has been implemented. Well, he can sit down with me <laughs> and I will explain him how to do it. I've sat down with numerous restaurants in the city. Uh, and we've sort of gone through their books and we talked about how you can, you know, pay your staff and what to pay your front of house. And it's based on your revenue and what you usually take in and you figure it out. And I guess, I guess my feeling has been that my staff is motivated. They want to do a good job. If you have a job, I feel like most people just want to use those eight hours constructively. Like you're not sitting in front of a computer, so you can't play solitaire. You know, like if you are a server, you like to work, you want to engage with people. Um, and we've really, they're motivated enough that we do profit share. So that's a little extra incentive, um, which is fun for them. And it's good for me. They sell more, I make more. So that happens to work. Uh, but there's no reason why you can't find the money to pay your servers if you get rid of tipping. Like the money's there. You take in that those tips. It now belongs to you. I think it's, some people don't understand the reality of what back of house gets paid. No, they don't. They really don't. And everybody you know a lot of the a lot of people have come back and said well if you're upset with it just don't get rid of tipping don't punish your servers just pay your staff more and margins are really slim in restaurants there is no more money very few restaurants sort of of my size do the owners make like i'm not a millionaire like i pay myself 300 dollars a week um, and at the end of the year, if some, there's some profits, that actually all goes back into the business. So those margins are so, so slim. There isn't that money. Uh, and I, I happen to have always paid my cooks well, but I didn't think $12, $13 was enough. A lot of restaurants pay their cooks $10, $11, and they're working 8 hours, 10 hours, sometimes 12 hours, 14 hours, and they're not necessarily... Um, getting paid properly for all those hours you know they're walking out with a hundred dollars or a hundred and twenty dollars for really long shifts and it just that's not feasible in new york city anymore and what happened the whole the the reason i did this was because i couldn't find cooks Uh, and it's not it's not that i wasn't paying them well enough uh it's not that people didn't want to work for me uh they really there are no more cooks left in new york city we have such a small pool now and I mean, hopefully more people will adopt this to, to try to pay them better. I, I want to know if you think that this is actually a, a feasible thing for all restaurants. Can this work in all restaurants? You know, it's a hard thing because I, I do, but I also, I don't see this big picture that is like all of New York State. So I think most restaurants of my ilk, yes, it can work. And I don't know if I have the perfect system. I happen to have a 20% admin fee. 
uh, which actually we will probably get rid of and just incorporate the uh, extra cost into the prices of the food come January. We're still sort of figuring that out. Um, and Danny Meyer, you know, he's just sort of rolled in and increased his prices. So, and there's probably some other system out there that I haven't even figured out yet. Um, but we we come from sort of uh, more high volume restaurants that make more money. It's very different in your in upstate New York, and you run a small diner, and there it's just all those numbers change. So I don't know if it can work for every restaurant. I definitely think it can work for restaurants like us. So your restaurant at this moment, you've waited a long time, and now you've just decided to open for brunch. Yes. So brunch for some people is a four-letter word. (laughs) (laughs) It can be quite a grind. Um, Is this something that you always wanted to do? Or is this something that you felt like was good for the neighborhood? I thought it was good. Well, it's hard to have a a business and not have it open all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, you can understand why people are sometimes open for 24 hours. Because you're paying rent for 24 hours a day. Um, and if you're not open, then you're sort of just cutting into possible profits. Uh, I, now, I'm not sure if brunch was always a dream of mine. I have to work brunch. You don't have to say dream. Maybe <laughs> maybe dream is not. Uh, but it is actually fun. And it's one of the reasons we did want to do it is I think people think of like dirt candy at night is sort of like pretentious and stuffy and we plate food and it's all like little pretty stuff. And even though we don't use tweezers anywhere in the kitchen, everybody thinks we do. Um, and we're fussy and really I'm just like just throw it on the plate it just happens to be pretty vegetable so it looks good Um, and we wanted to sort of change people's notion of what dirt candy was and so our brunch menu is actually really different Uh, I had this sort of secret hope that for the people who think that we're very expensive at night and they came in at brunch and they could see that they were getting a lot of value for their money they could understand because our portions are kind of big um can understand that that's actually the same thing that's happening at night. It's just that night's more expensive because there's a lot more labor going into it. That hasn't quite happened yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a dream that hasn't been realized <laughs> <laughs> to go back. Um, but we wanted to do something fun, and we had all these like over the years, the seven years, we'd like you know we'd make food for dinner at night, and we'd be like, this would be awesome in a sandwich. <laughs> we'd be like, yeah. So that sort of came out of there. Yeah, I was going to ask you if creating a brunch menu was very different from your usual dinner menu yeah because we could be actually we could have fun with it i know it's like eggs and sandwiches and we were like well what can we do differently and because i didn't we didn't have to open for brunch but we wanted to um, there's nothing on our menu that's sort of ordinary there's no like eggs and like bacon and like a side of toast or your regular eggs benedict or whatever it is you know we're like let's have fun with it let's do vegetable brunch and see what we can do and um make it really good so even those uh, people who are like i have to have bacon can be like i don't have to have bacon for this one meal yeah i was thinking it's meatless brunch it's meatless brunch but it's full of eggs and cheese and deliciousness and we make everything vegan still um but i also i don't know i'm very kind of bored of brunch in the city these days i feel like it's the same menu everywhere and i wanted to do something that was like oh actually you can have fun with brunch let's like put the like f-u-n back in brunch (laughs) (laughs) instead of the f-u-c-k do you do you actually do do you have fun now okay not have fun doing brunch but you're cooking different things is that like a nice change of pace for you and it's totally lovely i mean we do you know the same thing five nights a week and it's fun to come in on saturdays and be like wow it's totally different food and we have like 
it's everybody wants to cook everything now. People are like, I want to work brunch. That looks like so much fun. And I'm like, wow, nobody ever wants to work brunch. I was brunch. like, um, said by no cook ever. <laughs> no, no, you know, it's um, we've managed to make it so different that it's like two different restaurants almost, but still with sort of our dirt candy ideal. So you have been pretty vocal about how difficult it was to open Dirt Candy. I mean, sure. Dirt Candy original and do Dirt Candy yeah. 2.0. Um, do you have another restaurant in you? Do you feel like there's something else you want to do? I never want to open a restaurant in New York City again. Now, I've said that, so who knows what's going to happen. But really, oh, the city makes it incredibly, incredibly hard. It's expensive. There's so many sort of like permits and hoops you have to jump through and it's it's actually expensive like I, paying rent in new york is ridiculous and then you have the property taxes on top of that and just the things and insurance um so if i ever did open another restaurant it would be somewhere else just not here and i feel like the city is very saturated and i'd like i don't want to feel like like I'm competing with 20 other restaurants every day. I just, you know, want to feel like people just want to come and it's what's there. And, um, I don't know. I'm a little over New York. Don't tell anybody that (laughs) I love New York. I don't know. (laughs) Do you feel like also creating another dirt candy or another restaurant would take you away from what you've worked so hard on? Yeah. I don't actually understand how people run to restaurants because I feel like the restaurant does run better when I'm there even though I have amazing people who are in place. And I spent a lot of time away this fall, um, which was a testament to my staff that the restaurant ran and it did really well. But I also know when I'm there, it's like, it just runs a little bit better. So I don't know how people split their time like that. I don't either. I, I like always want, I've worked for places where they open several locations and I always see it kind of. It's just never as good as that one. Bit. You know, even when you have people who you really trust, I don't know. And, my my staff, I feel like they feel like they own the business and they really work for it. And, and that's great, but I'm still there. And when I go in, I'm like, oh, how did we all get that wrong? Why couldn't you guys see that? And so I don't know how it works. I, I really don't. So the people who run amazing restaurants and they're not always there, they are better restaurateurs than I am. <laughs> well, that's difficult <laughs> to achieve. It really does. Um, so what are the brunch hours? Brunch is 11.30 to 2.30 Saturday and Sunday, and probably in the next two months, we will open up on Fridays. For brunch? For brunch. For, I like, like for brunch? Yeah, brunch. 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 Did I just say brunch? <laughs> so not a word. Uh, yeah, I feel like there's enough people who are hungover on Friday and don't go into work. I don't know. I'm in the Lower East Side in the East <laughs> Village, and I'm always like, do you people not have jobs? Yeah. <laughs> I was here with Mimi Sheridan. We had Mimi Sheridan on the show, uh, which jealous. was so amazing. And Sari and I got to have lunch with her afterwards, and she was like are these all freelancers here (laughs) eating lunch on a Friday? And I was like, I don't know, Mimi. (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) They might just be skipping. (laughs) Skipping out. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's true because I'm always here during the week doing like the radio show. I'm like, well, there's enough people here. (laughs) They might as well be at Dirt Candy. They might as well be at Dirt Candy eating my like, you know, Canadian cracker. Well, Amanda Cohen, thank you so much for coming on The Morning After. We're going to take a break here. We're going to come back with The Morning After quiz. Yay!
組で3万1500ウーロンいただきます This is Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot on Heritage Radio Network. And I'd like you to become a member. By giving us some of your hard earned money, you make this radio station possible. And that means that you have good food content to listen to、uh, when you're cooking, when you're cleaning, when you're commuting. And it means that we have a place to come every week and make that content for you. So go to heritageradionetwork.org, click on the little beating heart, show us some love, and have a wonderful holiday season. And we're back here on the morning after. Amanda Cohen, chef of Dirt Candy in New York City. What do you know about the highly artificial fake veggie candy that every trick or treater loathes? Candy corn. I just know it's orange, white, and yellow. I've never really eaten it. Good. I'm really glad that wasn't one of my questions. <laughs> What color is candy corn? Do you, do you know that if you actually stack the kernels, they. Create a corn cob. <gasps> I'll show you a photo after. I well, love it. Maybe、this. we'll post it on the website. Maybe we'll post it on the put, Damn, put a link for、good. the show. Yeah, it's like because they don't really look like corn kernels, but they do. But if they you do. do that. If they do, yeah, absolutely. All right, question one. Created in the 1880s by George Renninger in Philadelphia, what was candy corn's original name? Is it A, country kernels? Is it B, scarecrow teeth? Or is it C, chicken feed? Scarecrow teeth. I love you for choosing that, but no. It is、uh, chicken feed. Really?、See? Chicken feed. In the 1880s, like, did people eat corn? They must have. They ate corn. I just feel like. Oh, wait, I- you're right. Corn is like one of the most ancient <laughs> things ever. Like, I、Indians. mean, it's the ancient grain, it's the three、Mexicans. sisters. I just feel like, is that what chicken feed looks like? <laughs> so. Maybe. I don't know. Back then, oh, they wouldn't feed chickens corn now. Anyway, all right, question two. Failed. I've already failed. I, I know. I'm so sorry. Well, I'm not because I always、It's、love it. It's opposite when day,、don't. right? <laughs> <laughs> I've had you know, somebody be like, oh, I didn't understand the question. So, like, if you had said it this way, then I would have been right. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. All right, question two. Which of these is not a holiday candy corn variant? Is it A, freedom corn for the 4th of July? Is it B, Indian corn for Thanksgiving? Or is it C, leprechaun corn for St. Patrick's Day? Oh my God, it could be any of those. Freedom corn. Not? It is, not, it is freedom corn does not exist. Freedom corn exists. It cannot exist. <laughs> it's so <laughs> fucked up. But it's red, white, and blue.、How、I mean, can, like. <laughs> it's a leprechaun corn? It's leprechaun corn, yeah. yeah. I was feeling like that could be. Because if you're drunk enough, that seems like something you would eat <laughs> on St. Patrick's Day. Well, yeah, I was like, oh, should I call it beer corn? And then that'd be like too obvious. But.、Um, There's also、uh, Cupid corn for Valentine's Day and reindeer corn. You know, actually, candy corn is really popular in Canada. And I think that more of these are in Canada than in well, the US. They're in the parts、and、of Canada that I have not been to. Maybe you've been living in the States for too long. <laughs> it's way up north. It's like way north, like where no one lives.、Yeah. Exactly. Well, actually, this may、uh, throw a little. Wrench in your, in your wheel? Is that a term? Anyway,、yeah. <laughs> final question. While people love to hate candy corn, it is actually one of the most popular Halloween candies in five states. Which of these states loves candy corn? Is it A, Oregon? Is it B, Iowa? You know, they love corn there. Yeah, I know. Is this is a trick C, question. C, North Dakota. <sighs> Crap. I don't know. I mean, I have to go with Oregon, but I know it's going to be wrong, and you're going to come back and say, like, North Dakota. 
It's Oregon. <sighs> so you got I, one right. I won. Do we have a buzzer, Liz? <laughs> Give me a buzzer. <laughs> well, well done. So the other states that uh, love candy corn is uh, Wyoming, duh. Texas, duh. I guess yeah, I don't know. I feel like duh. Tennessee, <laughs> South Carolina. <laughs> Do you know that the most popular Halloween candy, in, according to the internet, which is of course always true, in New York City or New York State, is sweet tarts. Really? Like, I hate sweet tarts. I feel like that's a disappointing like, thing when you get it in your Halloween bag. Yeah, you're just kind of like, that's the last thing that's left. It's like that and the taffy that's like almost impossible to eat. Yeah, and the candy corn. <laughs> corn. <laughs> or I like to call oh. it leprechaun corn. <laughs> leprechaun corn. Well, we'll be in search for that this uh, St. Patrick's Day. It's coming totally. up. It's not too far away. Um, Amanda Cohen, thank you so much for being on The Morning thank After. You. This is our last show of the season, and it is the holiday seasons. Happy holidays. I just want to say that a really nice gift would be maybe a membership to Heritage Radio Network. Um, we are member-sponsored, so without your help... Uh, we can't, I can't do this every day. I can't have amazing people like Amanda on the show. Liz in the engineering booth can't do this. So we need your help. Um, again, this is the last show of the season. And coming back in the winter season, I will be doing some segments about my trip to Japan. So cool. tune in then. Happy holidays. listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 non-profit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.